Okay, so uh, Ken is here with me today. Who tell me a little bit about what you do, Ken, so I can show the different facets of uh, lifestyles that I'm bringing in here. <laughs> what I do for a living? Yeah, 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 yeah. I do you. a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, but fortunately, I get to work from home for the most part, which will be a key benefit when the baby comes. Yes, and. Uh, Hopefully, I mean, most recently, it looks like I might have the opportunity to not have to travel. I used to have to travel one to two weeks a month to do these uh, data installs. Um, But it looks like, hopefully, if everything works out, I can be able to only have to travel one to two days a week. Nice. And uh, make a little more money at the same time, which would be great. So that's what I'm hoping for. That'll be good. So that will coincide. So we are at the end of January uh, and your wife is what? Due next week? She is due Thursday, the 28th. So. But the doctor says she'll probably be five to seven days late because usually first time mommies are late to begin with. Mm -hmm. And we're at the point now where we're going every week and he's doing the full cavity search check to uh, yeah. see <laughs> on her how things not are on progressing you. yeah not on me yeah yeah and so she's still um she's about one one centimeter dilated and 60 percent effaced mm. so um she's slowly moving there the mm-hmm. doctor says the baby still needs to drop a little bit because he couldn't feel her head which is a little weird. <laughs> uh, you gotta love us guys talking all this stuff. We say the words are faced, but I still like that means the thinning of the the uh, the. That I'm, I'm doing things with my fingers. <laughs> it's the uh, cervix. Yeah, the thinning of the cervix. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Good times. And the funny thing is, our doctor keeps saying, "Oh, you're about one sonometer." Hmm. I've always heard it called centimeter, but he loves to call it sonometer. And every time he says it, I just kind of smile. You should ask him to spell it. Sonometer. Because maybe there's something new, like a sonic meter or something. No, he's talking about centimeters. centimeters, Yeah. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. Uh, So uh, this is your first child. Mm, Yes. To be. Um, And... Okay, so let's go back a little bit so we can fill this all in because not everybody knows. So I've known Ken for, what, uh, since probably a little bit before 2000, I would assume. Maybe? Mm, yeah. You guys got married in 2002 or three? Three. So sometime around then, his wife, Kate, who is a twin was way back in a previous life of mine, basically, um, was in a junior high group uh, that I used to work with. So I have known her since she was in junior high back in 91. Uh, no, 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 no. 92, 93, about. Um, she so graduated in 96, so. From high yeah. school? Okay, so it might have been 91 then. 91, 92. Um, so a very, very long time ago. I 
have stayed friends with the other twin with her brother Sean for ever since then and then didn't really get to meet you until much later on because you guys started dating when oh geez yeah I'm really working here. almost 20 years ago so there you go <laughs> no. um I met you when you guys lived at the brothel yes in Laguna so, Beach so now I'm gonna have to tell that story to everybody <clears throat> and it was uh it had to have been that sounds like 2000 about right. or 2001 that sounds about right because I think I left the brothel around 2001 or so uh, so anyways, uh, Ken is a little bit older than me. I am 43 now. 43. You are 43 also, right? Yes, but so you're about five months yeah. older than you. Okay, so the reason that I'm bringing that up is because <laughs> as a fellow, what, what would you call it, salt and pepper dad, I don't know what they call him. Yeah. But um, that is a, I think a thing to consider into the whole parenthood thing. It always has been for me because my well, you're dad still, was... You're still ahead of the game compared to on me. On you, yeah. yeah. And I've always been so jealous of everybody, not jealous, but I've always envied a little bit the people who, especially the ones who start early. I used to have friends who had kids shortly after high school, and sure, back then it sucked, and I would laugh at them and make fun of them, but... You look at them now, and yeah, you're like, their kids I, I are wish out of the my house. kid was in college. Yeah, exactly. And we can... You know, have our life. I look at it now too. I'm like, wow, we kind of did it the other way around. Yeah. And I mean, granted, we did get to enjoy a lot of freedoms and uh, have fun traveling and do whatever we want. And I remember, you know, you guys and other friends with kids mm-hmm. kind of being a little envious of us because oh, yeah. we could do that. Oh, you yeah. know? You know, we're, we're posting oh, date night at blah, blah, blah. We're having a great time. And mm-hmm. you guys are home with the kids. And Yeah. But, you know, it's the whole other end of the spectrum where, you know, now when your kids are older and they can take care of themselves and you get that freedom, that's going to be gone for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and for me, that was the way kind of it was growing up. And that's why I say um, it is a big thing that I've always considered because my dad was when my mom and dad had me, I guess he would have been 40 in in his young Mm forties. Um, so 41 or 42. How old was your mom? Um, my mom would have been 39 if he was 41. She's two years younger than he was. So, um, and I remember like he was one of the oldest dads, Mm -hmm. if not the oldest at almost everything we went to. And, I clearly remember, and I always joke about this, like being at sporting events and my dad would be in the stands with the other parents and somebody, one of my teammates saying, oh, your grandpa came to watch you at the game. That's so cool. And it was it kind of stung a little bit. You know, I was a kid and I was like, that's my dad. Yeah. Um, Well, that's going to be me. I'm kind of hoping, though, that in today's day and age, because so many people are having kids later now that they'll be at least. One, maybe two other yeah. grandpas yeah, in, absolutely. The, in the stands that we can uh, hang out with. Yeah, they're, they're definitely. I, that's that's another thing now is I think back then it was like my dad and one other dad and they were kind of the oh, yeah. oddballs. I mean, but nowadays, especially, you know, yeah, when our parents got married in that era, it was like you just have kids right away yeah. for the most part. And it's changing a little bit, which hopefully 
will help <laughs> yeah. me blend in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we have all that seasoned information to give as well. Like we're, you know, wiser from our years, right? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we have Google. Yes, so. true. So do they now, though, too. So, yeah. they, But you, you can figure out anything with Google. Yeah. You know, back in the 10, 15 years ago, you need to figure something out. You had to go to the library or buy a book or ask around. Now, within five seconds, you can get your answer yeah. on Google. This is what makes us old people is when we talk about that. I remember my day when yeah. <clears throat> the kids would sell Encyclopedia Britannica. We actually, my brother and I didn't do that with encyclopedias, but we did it in 1984 with Olympic books, like these yearbooks for the Olympics when they were in L.A. And we would go door to door trying to sell these photo books. Really? Of the Oli- oh, man. I, I had completely forgotten about that. It was one of the you. worst jobs ever. We had some <clears throat> doozies when we were young. Uh, so thinking on that, I think that is a benefit as well, being a parent in this day and age, because uh, you just have, I don't know, it's a... It's a pro and con, though. You have so much information coming at you. And that's something that I want to talk about with you Mm -hmm. um, is what do you have that has been kind of scaring you or flooding you from various people? Are you getting a lot? I know moms get a lot of it, but uh, do you have a lot of people that have been trying to tell you what it's going to be like to be a dad and what to look out for. And this is what you've got to do and don't do this and do that and blah, blah, blah. Mm, not me. I would say my wife probably gets yeah. more of that from people. Yeah. And right now it's mostly names. Everyone wants to throw their idea for names. Mm. Oh, you should name her this. What about this name? So we constantly have people texting us or emailing oh us. My God. What about this name? What about this name? Or is like, okay, we'll add it to the list. Uh huh. They're still doing this now. Oh yeah. Have you? Settled? It's because because we haven't said that we've decided. Okay, you have decided though, right? No. Oh, you haven't decided. We have. Okay, we we're we're narrowed down to two. Okay. And so we're gonna wait. Look at her face. Yes. And see, know which see one if it is. one of them pops. Maybe you- maybe neither pop, and we go. Back to the drawing board. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Do but, you think that somebody is going to give you a name possibly right now that you're going to be like, no. Oh, yeah. R2 suck. No. We're going to do I, this. I think Kate is set on the top two that we have. Yeah. And it's it's going to be one of them. Yeah. That's fantastic. I can't wait to meet <clears throat> baby Leia. Or, <laughs> Euphigenia. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful names. Yeah. But uh, as far as, you know, I've had uh, one of the guys I work with, his mom is a daycare person Mm. and so growing up he was around a lot of kids and his younger sister apparently was a terror as well so he's he's given me of like you know this is what you you're gonna deal with Mm -hmm. but as far as anyone else no i haven't really gotten any of that like i said i think kate's gotten more of it from people and i think more of it's going to be after she's born Mm -hmm. especially from our family you know, we're going to be like trying to figure things out and they're going to want to say, oh, you need to do this. And, oh, you should be doing this. And we've already preemptively sent out an email to all our family saying, we we love you guys and we 
appreciate your knowledge and input, but we kind of want to figure this thing out for ourselves as new parents. So we would appreciate not offering any advice unless we ask for it. Wow. And if we ask for it, by all means, give it away. And, you know, you can still offer to help. Yeah, yeah. But we really don't want you to be saying, you guys should be doing this or, ooh, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we kind of want to figure it out on our own. And if we get stuck, we'll come to you guys for the wisdom and, you know, the knowledge that you have from raising us and all that stuff. But how was yeah, that so received? I don't know. No one responded. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a little telling right there. Uh, no, actually, I, I did talk to my mom and my sister in person about it. And uh, they they were okay with it. Yeah, they understood. But I, you know, it's gonna slip. I mean, of course, they're they're still gonna say, "Ooh, I wouldn't do that." Or yeah, but yeah, you know, we at least we put it out there, so now we can say, "Remember that, you know, you know, mom, I, I love you and I appreciate yeah. your help." But remember, we said we kind of want to figure this out yeah. on our own. So yeah, yeah, uh, we definitely got a lot of information. Missy and I from her mom more than anybody. And my mom, I mean, you know, I'm one of eight and this was forever ago that she had kids. So, uh, we always got the very interesting advice from her and the, what is it? Some kind of, if, if they're teething or if some kind of, you know, Pain is going on bourbon in a thimble. I think it was bourbon. I can't remember. And really? Yeah, that sounds like that era. Yeah. yeah. yeah they can't go to sleep. A little whiskey yeah. in a bottle. Yeah. Of your sister. Yeah. I you can't I, say that nowadays. You'll go to jail. Let's go back into your history with back in time. Yeah, with your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which a little side note um for you know, listeners. You know my dad. I <laughs> I, I know, but but <clears throat> You guys don't all know him, and Ken's dad, uh, you can tell more of this, but is an amazing Scotsman who, to give you a little feel for it, uh, my wife and I just the other day were saying, or I said to her, why have we never had him sing Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart? (laughs) Because it would be exactly like So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yes. And we need to record that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really know much of his background or whatever, but tell me, go back into your let me fill you in cavern. Yeah. <clears throat> so my dad was born and raised in Scotland, born in Greenock. Uh, he is one of four kids. Um, my aunt Jean is the oldest. Uncle Alistair, second oldest. My dad, next oldest, and then my uncle Gordon was the young baby. But anyways, my dad's dad uh, worked in the shipyards in Scotland. Back then, Scotland was a big shipping central and Mm -hmm. working on the ships. And uh, his dad died. I think he was in his 30s as well. Died young. So my dad didn't really get raised with a father. Mm -hmm. And his mother, my grandmother, was super strict. Like... Mm. Nazi strict, like the stories that are told about how strict she was with yeah. him and his siblings growing up are crazy. But I always knew her as loving. We called her Grand, loving mm-hmm. Grand, because she was just so nice. Mm-hmm. And 
it's something I see now too, because even my dad, when growing up as a kid, he was very strict and stern. And now he's kind of a softy. Yeah. I think as they get older, they totally Soften change. Up, yeah. yeah. But <clears throat> so my dad didn't grow up with a father. Um, I, I can't remember exactly how young he was when he died, but it was pretty young and with the super strict mom. So me growing up, I wouldn't necessarily say he had fathering skills that he learned from his father. Mm -hmm. And since he had a super strict mother, he was very strict as well. Mm -hmm. But he also worked a lot. He was a orange uh, LA sheriff and worked a lot of overtime. So most of my memory of him growing up is him coming home from work, being exhausted, laying on the couch, watching the news, eating dinner, and then going to bed. Mm -hmm. So most of my upbringing was from my mom. Most of the raising was done by her. Mm -hmm. And then my sophomore year in high school, they got separated. He got kicked out of the house. So in my later <coughs> years, as a teenager, I didn't really get any fathering from him either because he was gone. Gone. Yeah. So kind of a... I don't know, interesting circle of life thing. He lost his father young, and I kind of never really had him mm -hmm. around either. I mean, he didn't, I mean, he wasn't a bad dad. Mm -hmm. It just, like I said, when he was around, he, he was the breadwinner provider, and my mom was the house. Was she housewife. a housewife? She worked uh, for. A while, and then she stayed home. And then when I was in high school, she they split up. She had to go back to work. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, she did more of the raising of the kids. And, and so he was strict when he was gone. How was your mom with you guys? She became super strict. Oh, yeah. Well, with me. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure my sister, too, but more me because I was the young teenager, rebellious right. teenager, supposedly right. at that point. And, you know, she was going through a separation and right. having to be a single mom. And it, I think it stressed her out. And, you know, my, my nickname was grounder in high school because she constantly grounded me for <laughs> you name it. I mean, yeah, it was, it was an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so you were home a lot. Um, I was, I was. So how much, how much older is your sister than you? Five years. So she was out of the house or yeah. was she, li okay. So she was in college. Um, she was working full time. Okay. So your mom and dad separated, your sister is living at home, working. You were a sophomore in high school. Your mom has to be the single parent. Is your dad completely basically out of the picture at that point? Are you guys spending are are you spending any time with him? I would see him uh, occasionally. I would meet him in the morning sometimes before school mm -hmm. for coffee and we would go to dinner like once a week mm -hmm. with uh, my sister and him and I. But yeah, that was about it. 
you know, he didn't, he didn't have a house that he was living in or we couldn't stay the weekend with him cause he was living out of his RV hmm. during my high school years. And he was still a sheriff at that point. No, he was, no? he had to retire early because he tore his, uh, all the cartilage in his knee to where he couldn't fully straighten or bend his knee. Yikes. So he had to retire early. Uh, he retired. Was that on the job? Yeah. Uh, he retired he retired before they split up because I remember when they split up, he had gone back to Scotland for like three months to mm-hmm. be with his family. And that's when my mom decided, well, when he gets back, his bags are packed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I vividly can remember because my mom had his older brother, my Uncle Alistair, come down oh. and uh, pick him up from the airport and bring mm-hmm. him home. So she could basically say, well, here's his bags and you can take them back. Wow. <laughs> and I remember just kind of standing upstairs and like looking down and going, okay, this is awkward. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he retired early and has been retired ever since. Well, I do. And I had actually forgotten all of that until you said that. I remember him telling stories about him and Manson. Oh yeah, prison him and, and Charlie. Yeah, they were and good buds. Him being his his only guard that he would deal with, right, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, when Charles Manson was arrested, he was put in a jail cell and until his arraignment and all mm-hmm. that. And he would basically scare the hell out of guards, try to swipe at guards and gouge their eyes out. Mm-hmm. And so after so many guards were like, screw this, I don't want to do this assignment. My dad was the next man up. And uh, Charlie tried to gouge his eye out one time. And my dad reached through and grabbed him by the hair and banged his head into the bars. And he said, if you ever do that again, I'll bleep and kill you. And then Charles said, oh, you're Scottish. My dad said, yeah. And Charles said, my mom's Scottish. Oh my God. I and never heard that part. My dad story. said from that point on, Charles, or my dad called him Charlie, yeah. gave him the respect, like, oh, you're Scottish and you stood up to me, you're cool. And so my dad was stuck with him for almost a year. Wow. Babysitting him out of his outside of his jail cell so he didn't kill himself or kill anyone else. And he played chess with them and That is so crazy. Yeah. So we're skipping ahead. Now to you now becoming a dad or about to be, and how does all of that play in or does it at all? Like you kind of had that breach of time, like kind of, you know, I talked about it previously, but like when my dad died was when I was 17, almost 18. So kind of in those same formative years of like, I assume in a lot of son father relationships, that's the, this is how you become a man. This is how you deal with finances. This is how you do all of these things that I never got. And I mean, did you extract a lot of that stuff from your dad? Did he pass that along to you or were you kind of like getting that stuff from your mom, figuring it out on your own? Well, I mean, when I was younger, you know, my mom would try to give me life skills, life skills and advice. Now that I'm older and, you know, because we've been married for 
uh, going on 13 years without a kid. And because in my adult years, I've been able to develop a relationship with my dad and spend time and, um, you know, get fatherly advice mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So I've, I've learned a lot more from my dad, you know, after my formidable years. Mm-hmm. And because I'm 43 now and having a kid, so I've learned, you know, heard pearls of wisdom from him and, you know, still my mom. But yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get a lot of that when I was younger and, you know, newly married. Yeah. Do you feel that it's almost better that way because now you're getting it at a time where you're more responsible and mature and like able to take it in more than just a way of, yeah, okay, dad, whatever. When we're teenagers and we're getting these lessons that are potentially hopefully going to stick and we're going to remember them when we need them further down the road. No, it's definitely because now it's more, you know, I'm wanting to hear what Mm -hmm. they have to say. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas if, you know, they're saying it before you're even ready to have kids or thinking about kids, you might not retain it. You might just brush it off. So now it's like, you know, I welcome that information. You know, it might be good. It might be bad. I might take it. I might not. But yeah, yeah, at this point, it's like, yeah, let me, you know, what do you think about this? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely being older and, you know thinking about having kids or ready to have kids, you, I think you're going to listen more. You receive it better and differently. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So now that you are, I mean, literally like days away from it, do you see yourself doing things or being kind of obviously, hopefully not in the negative sense, but (laughs) in, in any sense, like, are you doing things where you're like, Oh, I'm that's totally my dad or my dad would have done that. How much of him do you think you have in you? I think I'm totally different than my dad. I mean, it's hard to say because I don't have my daughter here yet, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but just personality wise, Mm -hmm. I'm not like my dad. Yeah. (laughs) He's a, uh, and he'll even admit to it. He has no tact. He'll say what he feels to your face, whether it's going to make you smile or make you cower or yeah. ball your eyes out. Yeah. He's going to say it. <laughs> um, like I said, he was a very strict and stern person. Between Kate and I, I I'm definitely the more stricter person. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see... Once she's born and once she's here and we're raising her, I think I'll be able to more be able to say, oh, my gosh, that was something my dad would have done. Or, oh, that's totally something my mom would have done. Yeah. So recognize those dynamics. Because my mom and my dad had a horrible marriage. Mm -hmm. I don't see that aspect in my marriage now Mm -hmm. because... I basically learned how to have a marriage by doing the opposite of what they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, just going by what the Bible says and what is outlined in there on how to live your life and Mm -hmm. how to have a marriage. That's kind of what I base it on. So 
at this point, I, I can't see any similarities or things that I do or how I act or how I be that are kind of like my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but once she's born and once she's here, it, it, I'm sure there's going to be some things that pop up and I'll yeah. be like, oh, yeah, that's totally like my dad or that's like my mom. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you'll see a lot of things once she's here, I'm mm-hmm. sure. I was even thinking that today, like, because uh, tonight before we left and I put my daughter to sleep, tucked her in and whatever, and one of her new new things, semi-new, for the past couple months have been she wants me to scratch her back before she goes to sleep and wants the lights off and just oh. wants me to scratch her back for a couple of minutes. It's like my wife right now. Ah, nice. I have, to, I have to scratch her back nightly. Ah, that's, that's her funny. thing. <laughs> so, like, literally, you know, if I do it, five nights a week probably two or three of the times my knee-jerk reaction is i want to be doing this i want to go and you know the, the game is on or whatever it's it's something that i'd rather be doing than spending two minutes yeah, if even that scratching her back like it's, yeah. it's so dumb and, and i thought in my head tonight um because we were going to be coming in and recording this and i've been very conscious of what I've been doing leading up to a uh, an episode, I was in there scratching her back and thinking, "Why do I, why do I do that? That's so, like, this is so minuscule in the, in the even the scope of a twenty four hour day, like the two minutes that I'm doing this." But mm-hmm. it's funny how many of those little things that we do as parents that you will, I mean, not that I'm high and mighty, but that you will see like. You just want to be doing all your own stuff. And the change, which I'm sure you have heard this plenty of times, is so dramatic from being able to just do do your thing whenever you want, you know. I mean, even this, you know, taking a couple hours at the end of the night to come in and do mm-hmm. these, and I've only done two of them so far, but um, all of those breakaways from your family are a lot of times things that you have to be very more, very much more conscientious of and thinking. Oh yeah. It's, it's a total game changer. Yeah. And it's especially, I think going to be difficult for us because we've been married for almost 13 years living as husband and wife with no kids and no real anything tying us down besides our dogs. But I mean, we can, go away for hours at a time Mm -hmm. and our dogs will be fine. So we've lived 13 years in this pattern of doing what we want, when we want, Mm -hmm. being able to, you know, have dinner and just relax on the couch and watch our shows. And, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden that's just going to change. Oh yeah. Like I, I think in that aspect, we're kind of screwed compared to couples that are married for a couple years and then have kids Right. There isn't that As opposed solid. to 13 years yeah. of this is just what you were doing. Yeah. And now it changes. Yeah. But but I, as we touched on that before, I think there is a the definite positive of that for you, especially, uh, is you've done a lot of that stuff you've been able to do that you wouldn't be able to do right now. Like, I'm thinking of, you know, the football that you used to be involved in and playing in basketball leagues and whatever that 
even if your kid was older now, at your age, you probably wouldn't be apt to go join a basketball league right now. No, I don't want to snap another Achilles. <laughs> yeah, so you were able to do that before without yeah. that, you know, I mean, yes, yeah, that's, that was kind of like wife, the, but... the, the pros of not having a kid early yeah. was we could enjoy our young adult life together. And right. Like I said, I mean, it's it's pros and cons either way. Mm-hmm. So right, yeah, it's not necessarily, you know, bad either way. It's just different. Yeah, it's, I mean, a little more weird for us because we're just entering having the kid stage where our friends, you know, like you guys are kind of halfway through it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the friends that I grew up with, they're at the end stage. Their kids are in high school and, you know, looking Mm -hmm. at college. It's like, so we kind of feel a little out of place because you're about to have a we're like the Tiny only baby. couple yeah. out of all our friends that is starting this new phase in life that mm-hmm. you guys have all done mm-hmm. and are getting through or almost ending. Mm-hmm. So we kind of feel a little out of place there, but I think potentially, and it will, it will remain to be seen, but I think a, a very uh, possible opportunity from that is that a lot of those parents that, do have the kids that are, especially the moms who do have the kids that are in high school or whatever, are going to be more apt to jump in to help you guys out. Free, and, free babysitting? Yeah. And be like, <laughs> give me that baby because I, yeah. I want, you know, to have that time with a with a baby again, as opposed to, you know, when I'm thinking of a very specific couple, when I'm thinking about this, um, of friends of mine who had kids right after high school and none of us were going to jump in yeah, because we had it, no yeah. idea. And I mean, I'm a guy, so I'm different. So maybe uh, the wife's girlfriends were a little bit different, but they still did, had no idea what they were getting into pretty much unless they had babysat yeah. as young kids. So um, I'm sure with all of Kate's yeah. adult female friends, you will be getting well, a lot we, more Well, we even that. have some friends, that, like I said, their <clears throat> kids are in high school. Mm-hmm. And they've even said, "Oh yeah, they'll they'll babysit your kid." Yeah, yeah. I mean, we the were high at church. Schoolers. We were at church today, and our friend, his daughter's seventeen, sixteen or seventeen, and you know we we're just talking about having the baby, and you know he's like, "She's ready to babysit anytime." Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're like, "All right, there you go." You'll have perfect ends with that. Mm-hmm. So, since we haven't yet gotten to this, uh, which is part of the very big part of the journey for you, you guys, not only, you know, let's not make it sound like you guys waited until you were (laughs) 43 and then decided to have a kid and then got pregnant right away. So lay it on me. When did, how did all of this kind of develop and (laughs) um, how long has the journey been? I mean, it's, it's a really cool deal that this has happened with you guys now, but it's been a long struggle. Yes. Um, Well, I mean, apparently, I guess we kind of like to take a long time to do things. I mean, we dated for six years before we got engaged. We were engaged for over a year and a half before we got married. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, the... um, We, I guess, started trying to conceive uh, 
six years ago. I mean, it's hard to tell because it's been so been long. A long time, yeah. When we first started trying, we weren't really necessarily trying. It was, you know, she went off birth control, and you know, if it happened, it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but we weren't trying. So then, after a year or so after that, then we decided, okay, let's try. So then we started trying. Nothing would happen. So this would have been, you would have been like 37 years old or so. Yeah. And Kate is how much younger than you? She's about five years younger than me. So she would have been 32 or so. So you guys would have been kind of right on track for when Missy and I, about around about the time that we had Delilah, a little bit after that. around 2009 or early 2010, I would say. So when you say, I'm, I'm... Gonna get specific here for a second. Not too specific. We did it. <laughs> I, I, I get that part. Um, when you say you were trying, does that? What did the trying lead to? Because I ask that because we did all of that. We did the calendaring. We did the when are you ovulating? Are we sure you're ovulating? And let's get a calendar and let's start marking yeah. the days. And yeah, that's what we did. We did the uh, the pee on a stick predictor of mm-hmm. when she was going to ovulate. And then we would have sex when it said we we're supposed to have sex mm-hmm. around her ovulating. And then we'd wait a month, mm-hmm. do the same thing, wait a month. And I mean, sadly, it, it just became like a, a technical thing. Like, right. We didn't, we didn't have to say that. We didn't have a sex life yeah. other than, are you ovulating? Yes. Okay, let's do this. Yeah. We, I, I literally was calling it procreation sex. Yeah. Cause that's what it is. Yeah. I was doing my manly deed yeah. of, <laughs> of of pollinating yes. the flower. Yeah. And then it was, thank you very much. We'll try again tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sadly, it wasn't very sexy. It wasn't very romantic. And part of that was because, you know, we had been trying for a while. And mm-hmm. So, yeah. So we tried and tried and tried on our own. So then we went to our first fertility doctor. And I did a sperm test, and the sperm test came back to where I had uh, kind of low numbers all around. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. And then I was actually reading this book about a guy who, he basically is just like a human test subject. He Mm -hmm. just, he loves research research and he just does, tests everything, Mm -hmm. you know. So... He had gone through like a life uh, near death experience and he wasn't married. He was still young and he was like, I want to have kids. And I almost just died. So he started looking into freezing his sperm for in case something happened, if he got paralyzed or whatever. So he did a sperm test and he had the same kind of numbers like me, low this, low that. They test like three different things. So he started doing all his normal research that he does. And there was some test in England about cell phones and cell phones being too close to your junk. Hmm. You know, people putting them in their pockets Mm -hmm. all day long. So he's like, yeah. So he did a test. He took his cell phone, put it either up on like by his shoulder or down by in his sock, kept it away from his stuff for I think three months, got tested again and all his numbers just jumped. No way. 
So I'm like, eh, I'll give it a try. Yeah. So I did the same thing, went back, got tested. All my numbers jumped. No way. Huh? So I never I was, heard that. Yeah, I was in the normal range. So people, keep your cell phone away from your Wow. Junk. So at that point, we're thinking, okay, maybe that was it. So we tried, 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 still nothing. So uh, we ended up not really liking our first fertility doctor. Mm-hmm. So we, Kate knew some people that had used another guy. So we went to him, Dr. Wang. Appropriately. Um, for those or was other, it Wong? For those other teenagers in the audience, like Wang me. or Wong, whatever. Uh, Wang Wong. It was the Wong Wang. Yeah. So we go to him. <laughs> And uh, this guy was funny. Kate didn't like him because he kept <laughs> telling, referring everything to like ba- uh, basketball analogies. <laughs> and he was like, so you guys are like Shaq trying to make free throws. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and Kate's like, I don't get it. I'm like, uh, Shaq can't make free throws. Yeah. He's really bad. He can't get it in the bucket. Uh, that's perfect. And so, and we would like try to tell him, you know, can you do baseball or football? <laughs> She'll get that. Yeah. Could, musical theater. Can yeah, you somehow yeah. tie it into? Yeah. Your yeah. sperm is like cats. <laughs> Phantom of the opera. <laughs> yeah. You have to take the mask off. <laughs> uh, no. Um, but he, he just he just wasn't very, he didn't have a good bedside manner. And every time we would say, well, what about this or what about that? He's like, no, no. Hmm. And so he just wanted us to take this course of action and try things. So we tried IUIs, mm-hmm. which is where they take my sperm, spin it down, make it all nice and neat, and then inject it straight through the cervix and all the way up to where it needs to be. Hmm. They don't have to swim very far. Right, right. So we did a couple of those with him. Still nothing. Um and, you know, he just never had any other course of action except for uh, in vitro, mm-hmm. which we're like, we don't have the money for that. Mm-hmm. We can't afford that. And we kept thinking, you know, if God wants us to have a kid, we're going to have it naturally. Yeah. I don't want to force the issue. Yeah. So after doing, you know, the couple IUIs with him and Kate really didn't care for him and I didn't really care for him either because he wasn't really listening to any of our thoughts. Mm-hmm. So... Then Kate had another friend that she had just recently met who was with another fertility doctor who did some stuff, and all of a sudden this girl got pregnant. Hmm. So here we go to our third fertility doctor, Dr. Hatch. So we meet with her, and she goes over you know, this big questionnaire of, what are you guys doing? What's this? What's that? And mm-hmm. She just kept talking with Kate about... All sorts of things, you know, how are your periods? Are they regular? Do you have mm-hmm. cramps? And all sorts of questions. And from the first visit with her in that questionnaire, uh, Dr. Hatch said, you know what? I'm 98% sure you have endometriosis. And the only way to clean that out is by surgery. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but like I said, I'm 98% sure that if we go in there, we're going to find it and be able to, you know, at least determine if it's too bad to clean out or if we can clean it out. And, uh, you know, it's up to you if you guys want to do it, but you know, she was pretty confident. Yeah. And at that point, it's our third fertility doctor. We've tried all these other things. So we're like, let's go for it. Mm -hmm. So 
She goes in, has the surgery. So not only did she have endometriosis, she had a polyp in her uterus and a cyst on her ovary. So Dr. Hatch was able to remove all that. After that, you know, we had to wait like a month. And then uh, we tried uh, the next month and she got pregnant. So we go into Dr. Hatch, she looks at it and, you know, immediately they could tell that it wasn't really, because they did blood work and your, mm-hmm. uh, what's the n- number, HCH or something like that. It's supposed to double every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't doubling. Yeah. And so poor Kate had to go in every other day for blood work to see these numbers for like a week. So she's getting pricked by needles <sighs> every other day. And so basically after a week, it wasn't looking good. And this was right at Thanksgiving time. And uh, we're at my mom's house. And right before Thanksgiving, we get the call from the doctor. And she's like, yeah, it's, it's, not, not, vi- it's not viable. It's a blighted ovum. Was that two years ago now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we were bummed. So basically she had to miscarry that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were supposed to wait I don't know, what did we do? She miscarried that, and then we, I think we did an IUI with Dr. Hatch after that, and nothing happened. Mm -hmm. So our fourth fertility doctor now, but at least Dr. Hatch knew the girl that we were going to, and she said, yes, I like her. Mm -hmm. I don't like these other ones, so yeah, go to this one. So we talked with this doctor, and uh, she was very nice. Very thorough and, you know, knew our whole history. And so she was like, uh, let's try getting you on some of these vitamins and supplements. And, you know, let's just try to get your bodies healthy and Mm -hmm. prepare. And I can't remember why, but we were supposed to, we had another miscarriage. And uh, so we were supposed to wait another full cycle before trying Mm -hmm, again. mm Mm-hmm. And in the, in the next cycle, we were going to do another IUI with Kaiser. Mm-hmm. But with Kaiser, uh, our insurance would cover like a more aggressive IUI where Kate would have to do injections. Oh, right. So we're like, oh, we haven't tried that yet, so let's try that. So in the month that we were supposed to wait, we just decided, ah, oh, what the hell, let's just go for it. Let's just try it. Mm-hmm. And we got pregnant. And that's this and, one. And that one stuck. Wow. So we didn't have to do that IUI and all the stuff that we did. I mean, I'm sure it was a combination of everything, but right. I really think it was the surgery that she had for the yeah. endometriosis and, and it just took a while for her body to be ready to mm-hmm. accept the egg and mm-hmm. fertilize it and carry it. But yeah, so we got pregnant naturally. After all those years, years of trying and four fertility doctors. <laughs> this craziness. Yeah. And so here we are. That's insane. Yeah, that is uh, a long... The long road. Long and, road. And every month after you try and the 10-day the waiting period mm-hmm. to see if you're pregnant and then you're not. And the emotional toll that mm-hmm. it took on Kate... I mean, yeah. it was emotional for me too, but especially for her. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, you know, every month you just break down. And right. It's like, why? Why? And, you know, we've always said, you know, in God's time, he's got a plan. And mm-hmm. for some reason, we 
needed to wait six years to have a kid. Yeah, yeah. And maybe five years from now, ten years from now, we'll look back and go, that's why. Right. You know, we'll know why. Yeah. But regardless, it's finally happening finally happening. Yeah. And, you know, we pray that it's a healthy birth and yeah. healthy child and healthy mom afterwards. And Well, she's definitely going to be loved by many very heavily and it's oh yeah we know that for sure she may not ever get it as to why you know but i I mean i'm sure at some point in her adult years she'll understand what a miracle she is but i mean that's i I just can't imagine i know the because we for with delilah we didn't have to try as long I don't think was Sawyer, but with, with Delilah we did. And, um, I had to go get my sperm tested and it's the, the self judgment and questioning of everything, like literally going back into my life of, Oh my God. Like I didn't do a ton of drugs (laughs) when I was younger, but you know, did I ruin my body like with something that I did? Did we wait too long? You know, Missy has all of her own health questions and, you know, she's got her own different subset of issues that isn't as massive as Kate's, but she has her own issues health wise. And, you know, just the wondering of like, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with you? Why are, you know, why, which one of us is the roadblock to this and trying to not let that interfere and trying to always remember that, uh, attitude and, or the, or the inner thought of negativity can breed badness into this time when you are trying to conceive and all the time that you hear, all it takes is you guys to just relax and then you, then it will happen. And, and I, I think that's a huge part of it, mm-hmm. but trying to tell a girl that's been trying for six years to just relax mm-hmm. months and month when it's just negative emotions and yeah. just depression and despair. Yeah. It, it's so hard, but we've heard countless stories of people that have known people that have tried for years and years and years and then they adopt. Mm-hmm. That's my parents. Your parents. Yeah. yeah. Then they adopt and that stress is off and all of a sudden, boom, Yeah, they can have a kid naturally. Yeah. So I, I do think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. But like I said, you can't tell someone, oh, just chill out. Right. You know, <laughs> just right. chill out and it will happen. Yeah. You're just like, oh, screw you. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and how do you tell your, I mean, it's all trickery i mean if your brain thinks that you're relaxed like how do you tell your cervix or your fallopian tubes to take it easy yeah and don't be so stressed out and you know you can relax for a moment like my sister was always funny just get kate really drunk (laughs) i'm like (laughs) okay i mean been there done that yeah yeah but what about the you know, the 24 hours after that, or yeah. the 10 days that you're waiting going. Just, just yeah. takes a bender. Yeah. You just <laughs> got a 10 get, day bender. Yeah. Get Kate no. down at some all inclusive resort. 
Yeah, it's easier said than done, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that it has finally come to this for you guys, obviously. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a long journey, and it's going to start another long journey yeah. when she's born. Yeah. <laughs> what is your biggest parental you as a dad like? Oh, man. I don't know if I'm going to ever be. I see how dads do this, and I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do that. Or something along the lines of fatherhood that has you kind of stressed or fearful or worried or not even that. I mean, is it that you're completely excited to see this other part of you that is going to come out pretty much? I mean, honestly, it's I I still don't have that realness to Mm -hmm. it yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have the nursery set up. I see the big round ball that my wife is carrying around, but uh, uh, it, oh, oh, okay, her belly. I was thinking that she's carrying something around that's like a fake baby, like to get you used no, to the, seeing the this. big basketball yes. that she's smuggling under her shirt. Yeah, the turkey she has stolen. Yeah, I mean, I see that. I know it's coming. I know it's coming very soon, but it's still hard for me to fathom mm-hmm. and have that realness to it Mm -hmm. i mean i i don't know i think it's gonna be like when she's actually here and i'm holding her in my Mm -hmm. arms where it's gonna be like okay this is real now yeah okay and and then at that moment i think my mind frame is gonna change and right but i don't think i have any fears in her early, early stages of life, mm-hmm. like I said, other than her being healthy and mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. having any problems, I think once she starts going to school and has to deal with the social aspect of the world mm-hmm. and how messed up mm-hmm. the world is yeah. these days, yeah. that's when I'm going to start freaking out as a dad and yeah. being protective and being worried about things. Yeah. But, you know... Her first five years or whatever, I think it's just about health and right. safety. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're at that point wait. where Delilah's. Oh, man. I just. So you tell me, how is it? Well, I mean, this is that thing like, what are people telling you and what are people warning you about and whatever? And um, just like you said, for me, like, we, I had a lot of people telling me, giving me advice and telling me what to expect. And we read all books and whatever but really like you said you you have no clue until you're there it's really like that moment the moment of birth is intense I think regardless and once they are home with you and you are having to take care of this child and you are completely I know everybody's experience is different but you are very low on sleep Mm-hmm. And you are both at emotional ends that you have never been to before. And uh, the mutual concern that you have for your child, though the other person is not meeting your expectations of what you think they should be doing. for It's a crazy time, man. Like that first two, three months is just insane. I mean, it becomes a blur afterwards, but... Uh, it's it's just such a 
insane time of of panic and mm-hmm. uh, unsurety and I like I said I know that everybody is different and I know that not every single parent flips out when their kid is scream crying for an hour straight but I think most parents are at that point of who do I call and what the hell is wrong with my kid like you know there's something medically wrong right now and yeah. are you know do did they swallow some glass or something what's going on <laughs> so uh i mean just that whole part is just crazy but once you get beyond that and you know there's different people that will walk up to you when you're when you have a 1 or 2 year old and they'll say oh that was the best time i remember this time this is the best time of kids and then there's the people who are like 3 4 year old age is the best time ever because they're responding to you and and they are talking and they are able to say things back to you and then there's others that are like oh seven eight years old is the greatest time and um i mean now that delilah is seven and playing with kids and whatever uh it it can be very interesting and our battle is of course a little bit different because she's autistic but uh, it still, I think, is visible regardless. And the cliche of how everybody talks about how mean and brutal and evil kids can be to other kids is tough. I mean, it's really tough. Like, we've had those moments where we've wanted to, like, call up parents and be like, do you realize what your child is saying to my child and what it is doing to them or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh I hate for every anybody to have to go through that, and I know not every kid does, and not every parent does. But and, and what are you going to do? I mean, I don't know if I necessarily can put. You always say that parenting has so much to do with that, but I don't know if a hundred percent of the time, like a a rude or mean kid is because their parents have taught them or are allowing them to be that way or whatever. I think kids just say whatever they want to say at most times. Yeah, and I I mean a lot of kids will say something to get a reaction from mm-hmm. the other kids to you know look cool and mm-hmm. their parents aren't seeing what their kids are doing every day when the kid comes home. The kids like a little angel so they don't know anything's going wrong, but that's that's the part that I worry about. Yeah. Well, and also you don't want to be the parent of that kid either on the flip side like you don't but but i would appreciate if another parent came to me and said do you know what your kid said to my kid today i I would want to hear that so i could sit my kid down and say so why did you say that? yeah yeah and what was your goal by saying that yeah because if it was to hurt someone's feelings that's not a good thing yeah which i think is is the right approach to that. I think that the most parents, unfortunately, yeah, a lot of parents, you know, the first thing is that's my kid. Well, a lot of parents are going to be embarrassed yeah. by, you know, how dare you accuse my kid of saying that? There's right. no way my kid, my kid would that. never say that. Yeah. It's because they're embarrassed. They probably know that their kid would say that. And they probably learned it. <laughs> like I said, in a lot of cases, I know that they're learning that some of that stuff from their parents or, mm-hmm. Whatever. I mean, there's so much out there. Parents That's the crappy older, thing now. Older siblings that are, yeah. <clears throat> right. And nowadays, like it's it's impossible. TV is not what it used to be. 
Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, we see the we see the things that Delilah is watching on Cartoon Network. There's a couple of things that I will let fly that I'm okay with, and then some other show will come on and I'll be like, "What did they just say? No way!" And what <laughs> what is the target audience right now? Like, is this? I know this isn't already. What is that late night cartoon? Uh, adult swim or adult whatever. swim yeah i'm like i know it's not time for adult swim what what is going on uh and it, and it's crazy i mean what kids are bombarded with and what they have access to i mean most kids are on devices oh i have a friend whose youngest son is in elementary school probably fifth sixth grade at the most probably fifth He's got his own cell phone, and he's got a girl in his class that calls him like 14 times a day. Oh, my gosh. And my buddy's telling me this, like, yeah, she just calls him 14 times a day. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, and you let her call him 14 times a day? You're just going to be okay with that? Yeah. Yeah. And and I get... Why does a fifth grader need to have a phone that calls? Right. And that's the thing. Other than 911 and your parents' phone number. Yeah. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Why is he giving his phone number out to his classmates? Right. I understand the need or the desire for a child to have a cell phone nowadays so the parents can reach them or whatever. Uh, But yeah. They have plans for that. Right. That's the, the one thing I was talking with Kate about. It was like, Okay, by the time our daughter's in her young teenage years, the only good thing is that technology is going to be so amazing that we can know where she is at all times mm-hmm. through GPS on our phone. We can know who she's talking to. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll be able to keep tabs on her. Whereas, you know, when I was growing up, my parents didn't know where I was. Right. <laughs> I mean, there was... I mean, so that's kind of like the only one benefit of it. But yeah. Also, at that point, there, there'll probably be apps for disguise Blocking. your yeah, yeah, yeah. your GPS from your parents. Yeah. Or like some kid at school who's very smart. Give me 20 bucks and I'll walk around with your phone for you. No, because. You, or whatever. You have to check in and call. Oh, yeah. You got to answer the phone. I mean, that, that and that's going to be the line that you're going to have to walk with and. I dealt with this with uh, some friends that I knew when I was really young of when you put too strict of a restraint on your kid, are you going to push them over onto the other side of it? Yeah. And, you know, how tightly can you hold on without like making them go in the opposite direction and how far is too far to monitor and blah, blah, blah. So it's good times you've got coming ahead to you. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be a interesting time. And you will be doing, I mean, have you done the math on this? Not to drive the point home. <laughs> I know I did the math on this when Delilah was born, and especially when Sawyer was born. That when she is, when your daughter is 16, you will be, what, almost 60? Yeah. <laughs> 60's the new 40, dude. Yeah, totally. I mean, I look at it, like, I look at my dad. Yeah. My dad's 72. Okay. He acts like he's in his 40s. Yes. And 
luckily he's healthy and spry enough to where right. he can still get around and do stuff. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, he's, your he's dad does, does not seem in his 70s, that's you're, for sure. You're as old as you feel and you're as old as you want to be. True. Like, I've got some friends that are my age and they act like they're already in their 70s. Mm-hmm. It's like, hmm. Yeah. I feel like I'm in my 70s when I wake up in the morning. Well, my body tells me yeah. I'm in my 70s. Yeah, exactly. Mentally, though, I'm in my 20s still. Right, yeah. You know, number-wise, it's going to be weird, but hopefully I'll still be, you know, able to get around and still have that young mentality. Yeah. It's, it's a long way down the road. Yeah. So, last question. <laughs> uh... Where do you guys go from here? Have you, is that a let's not press our luck topic for you guys? Or have you had that conversation already of, or is it just a let's touch that later down the road? Or are you guys solidified in the, this is our miracle opportunity right here. And we will have normal lovemaking tendencies. And if, that's a that's a thing. Does that happen? That's that's an <laughs> album by a band. I'm sure. Okay. Normal lovemaking tendencies. Uh, where <laughs> where <laughs> it was either that or uh, non scheduled coital appearances, which I think is also a a very <laughs> that's a popular good album title. Yeah, that might be a band. Um, but are you guys like saying if this happens again, it happens again, or? What do you, where are you guys at with that? It's a very personal question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Well, I think first and foremost, we want to make sure that this one comes out healthy. Uh, baby Leia Organa is okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I know Kate's going to want a break of being pregnant. Mm-hmm. But I also know that she she doesn't want to have an only child. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, because she was high risk pregnancy this time around at 38 it's kind of a scary thing yeah to, yeah i mean just because you know she had a great pregnancy and everything was healthy this time around it might not be right the next time around and again we might struggle with getting pregnant again. yeah yeah so at this point i can't say what we're gonna do mm-hmm. so i mean we're just gonna have to you know probably go through the first year with this baby girl mm-hmm. and see what happens and what she's feeling. And uh, who knows? We may adopt a second child. Mm-hmm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, my mom was Kate's age, I think about when she had m- my brother. And then, and that was after uh, however many years of not being able yeah, to, and obviously nice. not doing any of the medical stuff you guys have done yeah. because none of that existed. Um, and all the adoptions and whatever. And then a year and a half later, like they were pregnant with me Yeah. and then she had a miscarriage and then they were just kind of done, which I, I never got into the specifics of did one of them get spayed or neutered, which <laughs> is what I'm supposed to say as we're yes. sitting in an animal hospital. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you never know. I mean, I, I think it'll be, you know, we'll ask, you know, her OBGYN, you know, do you feel like. I'm healthy enough and how everything happened with the first pregnancy mm-hmm. that we would be able to have a good chance at a second healthy pregnancy. And then, I mean, you look at all these people now that are having 
kids in their 40s, yeah. late 40s, and they seem to have normal kids. Yeah. So, like I said, right now it's let's just deal with the one and, and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I know Missy, after having Delilah, she's like, I'm done. Heck no. Yeah. No more kids. Yeah. But you get that natural instinct and that urge. To- right. Well, and we had a lot. We had a long time of the do we want an only child? That was a huge conversation for us. And it was, it was also not to always relate to this, but a lot does. It was also a lot of it was because of her autism was. Yeah. Do we want to risk? How severe is she going to be? A B yes. uh, The likelihood of having an additional autistic child after you've already had one goes up to whatever figure or whatever percentage. Um, but also, we kind of wanted her to have somebody who potentially could not really protect her, but be a an eternal possible best buddy for her to deal with if she had social issues and whatever, this sibling that could yeah. partner with her and help her through life. And uh, unfortunately, she can't stand Sawyer, so hopefully that changes. Well, I can tell you <clears throat> firsthand, being a younger sibling to mm-hmm. an older sister what you're talking about right now doesn't matter at mm-hmm. this age or right. even in their teenage years or even in their college years yeah it matters when they're adults yeah because you know that's something my sister's told me many times is like you know I'm, I'm glad that i have a sibling to be able to talk to about how crazy our parents are mm-hmm. at this age in life and mm-hmm. the stupid stuff they do or especially you know, with my parents, they're separated and, you know, can't be in the same room together. Right. So there's a lot of, we have to be in the middle of stuff and it just gets old. And, you know, so later on in life, having that sibling to be able to talk to or be yeah. a sounding board or yeah. relate with is still, key. Still not divorced, my sister right? Hate, my sister hated me when... When you were I younger. was in high school yeah. with my friends. We tormented her. And <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's this is another personal question. And sorry to your mom and your dad for asking it. But are they divorced now or no? They are legally separated. Oh, my gosh. Because my dad amazing. does not believe in divorce. That is amazing. Oh, yeah, so it's... they have been legally separated and and not like... <sighs> Not wanting to have anything to to do with each other, no. really. No. For since I was sixteen, so do the math. Twenty seven years. Seven years now. Yeah, that is insanity. Mm-hmm. That's crazy that the state never comes back and says we've got you down here as legally separated. Is that still a thing? No, because it's it's a thing. That's crazy. They're legally, it's, it's almost exactly like a divorce, but they're not divorced. They agreed on terms. Mm -hmm. My dad makes payments to my mom Mm -hmm. and it's exactly like a divorce. It's just, you're not divorced. Yeah. I wonder if that's how nationwide that is or if that's because California is kooky. I think it's just California. I would, I wouldn't be surprised. Because yeah. I think if you tried that in, like, let's say Nevada, they would say, oh, no, no. 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 You can get annulled still at 27 years if you want, but. 
Yeah, and I'm not really sure what the point of a legal separation is. I mean, I can see, okay, legal separation for a period of time. Mm -hmm. Then you either get divorced or you reconcile. Right. But... So and and they would have to divorce for one of them to get married. Yeah. And on their documents, they have to put married, right? I mean, not a lot of things have legally separated or separated. I, I, I think in California they probably do. Oh, that's so crazy. Uh so or anyways. yeah, they have to put married. Yeah. Yeah. And tax-wise, I don't know if they have to file as married or not. I think you can file married but separate yeah. because I think even even if you are married, like you and yeah. Kate could Kate and could do, file married but separate. File is yeah separate. So uh, I don't really know how to end this on a bang. <laughs> really, thank you for coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plan always was for me to get you in before yeah, part one, and then have a part two after. This is actually going to be a two-parter here because so, of the length of it. Part three next. You will time. have a part three <laughs> next time, but I would like to get you in like around the two to three month mark. I think is a good point because I'm not pulling you away when your wife is going to want to kill you for leaving for yeah. an hour. And you have a decent amount of experience under your belt that you're able to say, mm-hmm. boy, was I wrong? <laughs> or, holy crap, how yeah. did you do that? Yeah, I haven't slept for days and I don't even want to record this. I'm just here <laughs> to nap or whatever. Yeah. So we will definitely do that. But um, best of luck in the delivery room. I will tell you all these things later, but I'll tell you them on microphone so people know <laughs> that I'm wishing you well for the delivery. Yeah. I can't wait to meet Leia Organa. I'm very excited. <laughs> and I'm so proud that you're taking that name home to Kate and telling yes. her that, that you've We're discovered. putting it on the list. Yeah. So I'll make sure I text her right afterwards. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, it with Ken. So we'll see you again soon in here. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So once again, thank you very much for listening. And remember that you can send in any kind of uh, email to me at daddyunscripted at gmail.com. I also want to encourage you and uh, not really straight up beg you, but it would be great for you to like the page on Facebook, the Daddy Unscripted page. There you will see some of the older posts that were pre-podcast and see some news about who we may be having on, etc., as well as... There you can tell us who you would like to see on the show or other people that you might be connected to and be able to hook us up with so that we can have some different and uh, big personalities on the show as well and get their stories about being a dad. You can also find us on Twitter at Daddy Unscripted. We do a few things on there as well. And you can find the original blog at daddyunscripted.com, which I will still continue to update, but it also has some of those older posts and a little bit of that history of me and my dad as well. I'm also hopeful to have some sponsors at some point soon for the podcast. Dunkin' Donuts, I'm coming for you guys. And any others that you guys may think of, I would love to have uh, that sponsorship and be able to make some connections that way as well. Make sure you also are going through your iTunes and subscribing and leaving a review that helps us out a ton with getting more listeners and that can potentially lead to us having an even 
bigger and better uh, podcast with having some guests that we might not be able to normally get. So I would really love for you to go to iTunes, find the podcast there, subscribe, and you can listen through your computer. You can listen on your run while you're working out, while you're in your car, whatnot. And uh, let me know. Drop me a line. Let me know where you guys are listening. I will do some shorter episodes as well. I know not everybody can spend an hour and a half listening. Uh, Not all of them will be this long. And I will potentially do some shorter episodes for the quick little weekend listen or something. Uh, I already have my first little mini episode in mind that will probably be about uh, maybe 15 minutes or so. All right, that's it for this episode for Daddy Unscripted. Thanks again, and we will see you on the next episode.